listening to Breakthrough News. It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on the Punch Out 12121. Let's just hope that's auspicious somehow, but we are very happy either way to be back with you in the punch out as we always are, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We got plenty of things for you here on the show. And of course, don't forget, the Freedom Side will be live streamed tonight from all of our Breakthrough News uh, social media and YouTube at 8 p.m. Eastern. So this is the punch out, the Freedom Side, which I'm also the host of tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on Breakthrough News. We're going to be talking about Venezuela rushing medical aid to Brazil, a good story, a heartwarming story, positive things happening in the world. I know sometimes we forget about that. Uh, unfortunately, on a not-so-positive note, there is a bombing, a drone bombing of a wedding in Mali that was done by France. We'll explain that to you. But before we get to either of those two important stories, we want to start with a major crisis in the water system of the state of California. <laughs> Now, rightfully, many people are discussing the huge issue of rent during the pandemic, and you really can't do anything else, quite frankly, given that as many as 40 million people, 40 million people could be facing eviction with tens of billions of dollars in back rent. But of course, rent is only one utility, and they are all, that all of the utilities quite a bit, uh, quite to be honest, I should say, I don't know what I'm saying, I'm getting lost here, but all the utilities obviously matter in a big way. It's not just water for many people um, that they have to, there's not just uh, rent for a lot of people, it's water for a lot of people, it's also the internet, there's electricity, I mean, there's all these different elements. So I want to focus in on the issue of the water crisis because the state of California is really indicative, a canary in the coal mine, if you will, uh, one of the major issues that is going to be arising as the economic fallout of this pandemic, pandemic continues is a major water crisis. 1.6 million people in the state of California are behind on water bills, with over 150,000 people facing over $1,000 in water debt. Overall, there's about $1 billion in back water bill debt in the state of California. One in eight households are in arrears. One in eight households are in arrears. $1 billion in back water bill debt in California. It's actually, sadly, not a new problem. In 2019, over half a million people had their water shut off in California because they can't pay. So quite a huge issue there as it concerns the existence of poverty in that state and lack of access to water. And the bills are stacking up now because public health protocols that have been enacted uh, as it relates to the COVID emergency that's been declared in the state of California, have meant that there is a ban on water shutoffs. But there's no back-end plans here, meaning that there's just an unknown frontier where once that emergency ends, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions, could have their water shut off immediately, or they'll be forced to sink deeper into debt and various debt repayment schemes in order to keep it on, causing even more long-term economic hardship. Cities like San Diego and San Jose have seen water rates go up 80% between 2010 and 2018. As the Guardian newspaper notes, this isn't an accident. They report that, quote, federal funding for water systems has fallen by 77% 
77% since its peak in 1977, leaving local utilities to raise the money that's needed through bill hikes in order to upgrade aging infrastructure, comply with safety standards for legacy and emerging contaminants uh, like PFAS, lead, and nitrates, and adapt to extreme weather conditions linked to the climate crisis, end quote. Uh, I should say that it leads them to fund it through bill hikes because they aren't going to fund it any other way, like, for instance, taxing the ultra-rich. Many, many billionaires in California, you think maybe they could pay. But nevertheless, there's also the impact of climate change as droughts in California are getting more serious. And there's also reduced snowpack up in the mountains, which means water is just becoming more of a scarce resource. That should be scary to people right there. But there are some emergency measures are in place, but frankly, they're not even close. It's honestly not even really noting the details because they're so far away from meeting the scale of the problem, not just in California, but nationally, where we're seeing a similar issue. In Virginia, for instance, you got about half a million people in water debts. So that's two states, and you almost got two million people, and that's just two states. So, you know, in some ways, just another thing to add to the list of the terrible suffering that's going on all around the world related to poverty and exacerbated by this pandemic. But it's also just one more reminder of how big the scale of the problem is, the social fallout of this pandemic, the economic fallout of this pandemic, how big the scale of the problem is, and the fact that no one in the political class in this country is speaking to that scale and that the end result is millions and millions of people are being left way behind. <laughs> Well, here's a story that I bet you missed from earlier this year. I sure did, but it deserves to be talked about. That's why I'm bringing it up now, even though it's from January 3rd. The French military on that day, January 3rd in the afternoon, carried out a drone strike that hit a wedding party, or at least it appears, France is saying they didn't do it, hit a wedding party and killed somewhere between 19 to 20 people in Mali. So January 3rd, French drone strike in Mali, hits a wedding, kills 20 people. Now, again... France saying, for the record, they didn't do it. By the way, it was in the central Malian village of Bounty where this took place. Uh, this is a big part of France's, not very much talked about, but large-scale military in intervention in West Africa. That's allegedly about stopping terrorism. France is in Burkina Faso, Mauritania, Chad, Niger, as well as Mali. They got about 5,000 soldiers. They got drones, helicopters, airplanes, with a bunch of bases all across these countries. And the situation has a lot of complexities to it that we can't do justice to here, um, but we'll give you some flavor of it. There are indeed militias that claim inspiration from Islam, and they have ties, some of them, to groups like Al-Qaeda. But there's also many other issues, I would argue, that are more significant. I mean, you have the issues of tensions between settled farmers and pastoralists, uh, which are over land and over water primarily, and how those things are going to be used. And these are ways of living going back many, many years. And then you've got the impact of desertification in the Sahel, which exacerbates the availability of land and water specifically, which means those conflicts get even more intense. You also have sort of cross-border national ethnic self-determination issues. Uh, where you have people like the Tuareg people who for thousands of years have existed in an area that is across several different countries now in the Sahel. They've been fighting for their own territory, uh, self-determination for some time as well. So that's also a factor in some of these conflicts that are going on. So it's a lot deeper than just this counterterrorism nonsense coming from these Western countries. The wars have had a deep, deep impact in the recent mass protests that overthrew the government in Mali were heavily related to the ongoing toll of the war, the increased casualties, displaced people, and 
really no solutions coming from this deep suffering. That this drone strike was in central Mali is particularly notable. For those of you who have been following this, you might be thinking, I thought this conflict was in northern Mali. Well, you'd be right. That's what they said when they first went in there. But the impact of these wars has been so intense, the conflict has been pushed deeper and deeper into the country or further south in the country, causing even more hardship and wrapping even more people up in it. Now, it's not 100% clear how the new government is really going to address these issues fully, but they haven't ended the military interventions of France and the United States uh, or their cooperation, it seems. The military is playing a role in the transition itself has been hit with many claims of war crimes. So there's a lot of ambiguity about what's going to happen for Mali itself. But what this drone strike reveals more than anything to me is the utter futility of the French and also U.S. and also German policy in the Sahel, which is basically to give huge amounts of military support to deeply repressive governments that are, among other things, committed to maintaining their countries as Western resource colonies to the detriment of their own people in order to counter movements that the West feels are against its agenda. They lump them all under terrorism, but like I said, it's more complicated than that. These interventions just fuel these conflicts even further, though. They create a vicious cycle that has many different terrible effects in those countries also plays a massive role in the African refugee flows into Europe. And that in and of itself is a shameful humanitarian crisis perpetuated by the EU. So it's clear as it could be that these imperialist interventions aren't solving problems or creating security. They're just creating more problems and promoting massive instability. <laughs> We're going to go to a brighter note here. Brazilians have been celebrating around the different parts of the country, uh, celebrating the arrival of medical assistance from Venezuela, which has helped fill critical gaps for the Brazilian state of Amazonas, particularly in the capital of Manaus there. Venezuela has sent 130,000 liters of oxygen to the city, which, you know, just a, a week or so ago was sending out distress signals to the world that its medical system was on the verge of collapse during the pandemic. But despite their own serious economic struggles, Venezuela answered the call almost right away. And in addition to the oxygen. They also are sending a brigade with 107 Brazilian and Venezuelan doctors, graduates of the Salvador Allende Latin American School of Medicine in Caracas to help combat the pandemic in that state. And despite the challenges it faces, Venezuela is obviously in a position to help because they've taken the pandemic seriously. They've been using stringent measures to combat it and have put a priority on bringing in medical supplies from around the world. Not to mention, and this is the element that builds into these doctors they've sent, they've been prioritizing public health is one of the key areas of improvement for the country under the Bolivarian Revolution since 1998. So they've been building the infrastructure to allow them to do more for years now. Brazil, on the other hand, and their far-right government is second only to the United States in the terms of deaths, uh, in terms of the number of deaths that are happening. Its government, or at least its federal government, has treated COVID essentially as a non-issue, taking very few measures, leaving it to the very states of Brazil to fend for themselves, which means a lot of them are struggling in a big way. A clear example, if there were, uh, well, a clear example among many, I should say, of the differences between countries with a socialist focus like Venezuela, Cuba, China, Vietnam, and the hyper-capitalist far-right politics being practiced in Brazil, India, and the United States that have become the world leaders in just terrible, shambolic responsive responses to COVID-19 and massive death tolls that have resulted. going to do it 
up for us here today on the Punch Out. We'll be back with you tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget tonight at BT Newsroom and Clash across all your social media platforms and on YouTube, Breakthrough News. We will be having a our show, our regular Thursday night show, the Freedom Side of which I am the host. So we'll be very happy to see you there live tonight at 8 p.m. In addition to tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern.